Oh, there we go. You can hear me now. Hey, man. Good afternoon. Central Park Baptist Church. Good afternoon to y'all. How are we doing this afternoon? We're doing okay? Hey, man and amen. Well, um, let me make this announcement. At this time, if you will please silence all cell phones and mobile devices. At this time, if you could please silence all cell phones and mobile devices before we commence with our worship. Hymn 606 will be our opening hymn. Hit hymn 606. Oh, say, but I'm glad. Oh, say, but I'm glad. Is our opening hymn. And then we'll have a word of prayer if you're able to rest upon your feet. Hymn 606. Oh, say, but I'm glad. Sing them all. Oh, there is a song in my heart today.
Father God, we, uh, we come before you, we bow before you, we thank you, Lord, for allowing us to come together this evening uh, to worship you once again. We thank you, Lord, for the soul that was saved this morning. We thank you, Lord, for what Jesus has done for us on the cross. We just continue, Lord, to thank you for loving us, for always being there for us. We ask, Lord, that you would bless these services this afternoon. Pray that you bless our pastor as he brings the message. We ask, Lord, that your healing and your hand of protection will be upon us this afternoon, Lord. We just continue to love you and thank you, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. And, and if you can remain standing, we would love for you to join us in singing hymn 442, hymn 442, Shall We Gather at the River? Shall We Gather at the River?
gentlemen, welcome to Central Park Baptist Church. You may be seated, amen. We're glad that you're here. Welcome our, to, to our 2 o'clock service. We're excited to have you back. I appreciate you coming. Don't forget about soul winning this Saturday night or Saturday morning at 9.30 in the morning. Amen. I want to encourage you to be there. Uh, and then our ladies' Bible study will be this uh, Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock in the morning uh, here at the church. You do not have to be a member of our church in order to attend it. So I want to encourage everyone to come that would like to come. And then also don't forget next uh, Sunday evening after this service, after the 2 o'clock service, we'll be having a teachers and workers meeting. If you're a teacher in our Sunday school classes or our Wednesday night classes or in our junior church service, if you're a bus worker or you would like to be a teacher or a bus worker or any of those or even a helper, we want to encourage you to come to this meeting. Immediately following the 2 o'clock service, we'll be meeting in the, uh, 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 the uh, um, help me. Korean uh, 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 class, and uh, sorry, you get old, you forget stuff, amen? It can slide right in and out real fast. Anyway, uh, it'll be in the Korean uh, Sunday school classroom and, and church uh, section, and I want to encourage those. Listen, if you really think God might be dealing with you about teaching, come, amen? You may not get a class right away. You may not even be a substitute for a while, and nothing may happen for a little bit of time, but at least you get on our list, and preacher and I start to pray about you. And where God would have you to serve, amen? As you pray, we pray. And then God puts us all together in the right places. So thank you for coming. Pastor, you come. Amen. Please make sure your cell phones are on silent. Okay? Uh, so, I mean, don't, you know, let's give, the Lord, let's give the Lord about 40 minutes, okay? 45 of uninterrupted attention, all right? So please do that, and I appreciate it. Uh, thank you again for... Uh, being back this afternoon, we're back in the book of Moses, or book of Moses, we're back about talking about Moses. That's almost like saying, turn to the book of Hezekiah. Right, 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 right. I've had a lot of people start turning, good people too, you know, but it's, it sounds like a book, you know, so uh, I guess it could be Moses, but anyway, we're talking about Moses, appreciate you being back this afternoon, and uh, appreciate your prayers. Please don't forget everything that's going on this week, look at your bulletins, and uh, read those, everything that's coming up is in them. So uh, please um, uh, read those and make sure you're uh, active and involved in everything that's going on, all right? Let's have a word of prayer. I've noticed, uh, listen, I, I'm, there's just something, you know, when you're praying or uh, dealing with somebody and you hear the noise of a hammer on wood. I, now, I don't know about you, but that just makes it, it really arrests your thinking. And uh, people, when they were coming this morning while we were praying, I could hear you know, I don't even have to hear, but man, you sure know what's going on, and I appreciate that, and uh, so, I mean, it doesn't have to be during the invitation, if the Lord touches your heart about something, come put it on there, and uh, we're just going to leave that up for a while, and uh, see, see if it gets full, something may come to you in the future, may you just want to nail it to the cross, so come and be a part of that, all right, well, let's have a good offering, and uh, may the Lord bless you as you give. Dear Father, we're thankful for, again, this afternoon's service. Thank you for our people and their faithfulness. Uh, God, I believe that we have a bright future. Lord, our future's bright, first and foremost, is because you're coming after us, Lord. Yes. And, uh, Lord, our future is settled. Just like your word has been forever settled in heaven, Lord, our future's been settled, too. And it was settled when we trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. So, Lord, I pray, God, that you'd help us now uh, start today. And help us to be the kind of Christian that you'd have us to be. Help us to be giving Christians, Lord. And I pray, God, that you'd bless this offering. 
Bless the gift and the giver. We'll give you praise and the glory because in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you have an offering, you please come. singing hymn 418, hymn 418, meet me there, hymn 418, meet me there, I believe we'll do all the verses.
Exodus chapter 3, Exodus chapter 3, I'm going to read beginning in verse 1, we'll read through, when we, we'll come back to this, we're going to go down through verse 9, but next, uh, our next lesson we're going to come back and get some more of this, there's uh, so much right in through these verses, we don't, it may take us a few weeks to get through it all, so Exodus uh, uh, 3. Found your place? Say amen. 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 Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, here am I. And he said, draw not, nigh, draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows and I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land unto a good land and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites and all the other Ike brothers. All right. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also chosen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Father, I pray that you'd help us and uh, bless the reading of your word. And God, I pray that we'll listen not to me, but listen to you. Pray, God, that you'd help us, Lord, help us to understand. Uh, God, and I, and I pray you, dear Holy Spirit, will bring uh, to mind the things here that you'd have us to glean, and we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Um, God calls people to serve him. Um, but there's a lot of people today that are self-called. Um, I mean, they're doing a, a good deed, uh, but nonetheless, they're, they're not called of God to do it. And not everybody that says they're called are called because there's some prerequisites to the calling of God. One, I, I do not believe that the call of God will interfere with the work of God. I do not believe that the call of God will interfere with the church of God. Uh, Y'all go ahead. All right. Y'all think about that a little bit. All right. But many, uh, as I put it, who stand in the pulpit just like this one in our country, around the world, I believe they're self-called. I believe they're self-appointed preachers, self-appointed pastors. Uh, But then there are some who are God-called. And there's some who are God-appointed. Uh, there are those who are called to serve him in other areas as well. But again, when God calls people into serving him, I, I believe with all my heart it edifies the saints and it also edifies the church of the living God. Um, but my point is this, that uh, think of who it is that calls us to serve him. It's, it's God himself, the Lord, Jehovah uh, the great God and Savior who created the universe and who sustains throughout the universe. He, he's the sovereign, the majestic, the almighty God himself. 
God who actually stoops down and offers us the privilege of serving him. Listen, this is the God who calls us and that ought to excite us simply because God allows us to be in his service. Uh, it ought to stir us up to seek God and stir us to seek God's hand upon our lives. If there's one thing that we ought not ever want to do and that's do the work of God in the strength of this flesh because we can't do it. We cannot do a spiritual work in a fleshly manner. Uh, or we'll never succeed. So I want to show you here a few things when we'll start here in verse 2 and we'll come, to back, come back to verse 1 later. I want you to see the appearance of God. Uh, verse 2 begins with, uh, by saying, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him. Now the fact that God manifests himself to man at all ought to bring us to our knees. Um, I mean, I appreciate the song Brother Shelton sings, He Came to Me. I mean, I'm thankful today that God came to me through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm thankful that he comes to me on a daily basis through the volume of a book. I mean, he'll come to you. All you have to do is open the word of God and sit down and read a little bit of it. And if you'll read it, listen, just read it till you get something. I mean, sometimes we don't, we'll read it and uh, we'll go through things and, you know, we just don't quite get there. Brother Coy was telling me the other day that he's, he finally got through with the book of Leviticus. If you don't understand what he's saying, then go read the book of Leviticus. But if you'll keep reading, I'm telling you, at some point you're going to get something, whether it's in the book of Leviticus or not. Uh, it, but just keep reading because, listen, you can't help but read God's Word and not get something out of it. And so I'm thankful that uh, he comes to me in, in the volume of his Word. I'm thankful that he comes to me uh, when I stop and be still and pray. After I, before and after I read the word of God, I always take time to pray and, and speak to God. And I, first I pray that he'll fill me with the spirit of God so I can understand the word that he authored. And, and you ought to do the same thing. Uh, and, and so I'm thankful that he comes to us when we be still and when, as the song says that Brother Shelton sings, when I could not come to him, he came to me. And, and I, I, we see here that he also has come to Moses. If you notice back in Exodus chapter 2 and verse 23, we find the occasion of what's going on here. Uh, in chapter 2 and verse 23, we find that the king of Egypt died. Uh, and one of those obstacles of Moses coming back to Egypt was removed. I mean, which makes me think that if God's wanting you to get someplace uh, in His perfect will, be careful as to what or who you use as an excuse. Because God, as He removed this obstacle of this king of Egypt so Moses could go back, he, listen, God can remove the obstacle that's keeping you from His perfect will too. We have a tendency to use a lot of things for excuses. Be careful. God is in control, uh, and he can remove those. So we see that God removed that, which makes me understand that, that God removes obstacles in our way. Listen, that God will make a way. Uh, he'll make a way for you to come to him. He'll make a way for you to serve him. He'll make a way for you to walk in his perfect will. We just have to make, uh, uh, we just have to make changes in our life. We have to be patient and wait for uh, the circumstances to change before we can enter into the place of service, just like here. For example, Matthew chapter 2, we find the Lord himself, he had to wait uh, until Herod was dead before he with Joseph and Mary could go back to the land of Israel. 
here in Moses' life, watch, it took 40 years to cool the hot blood of youth in Moses before uh, God revealed himself here in the desert in the, in the land of Midian. Mo, listen, Moses' attitude at 80 well, was a lot different at 80 than it was when he was 40. That's one thing about age, it tempers you a little bit. You know, I've learned, you can, I mean, all you have to, be a grandparent, you'll see. Things that we used to sweat as parents, we don't sweat it so much as grandparents. You know, I mean, I tell my kids, hey, they're okay, don't, it's all right, don't sweat the small stuff, you know. I was telling Miss Lawrence, she was up here the other day cooking for uh, the Valentine thing, and Anthony, he's running around, and, and he started doing something, and Miss Lawrence started to go get him. I said, he's okay, he's all right, you know, he'll be fine, you know. Listen, that's a parent. Uh, we we kind of sweat those small things. Well, here we see Moses, he was impatient, he was a little hot-tempered, and he tried to handle something in the strength of the flesh, but listen, it, God wasn't ready for him to do that. So now at 80, 40 years in Midian, Moses no longer, watch, had strength and confidence in the flesh, and he sees himself as nothing and helpless and unworthy for God's service. Now at this point, guess what? He's him to be so God can use him. It's when we get to that point, we realize, you know, I can't do this by myself. I can't do this in the strength of this flesh. You know what? I think I'm just going to step back and, Lord, you take care of it. And when you take a step, I'll take a step. That's the way we, listen, God help us to learn how to do that. But this is exactly where God wants Moses. Now God can use him to do great things for him. So how many times, and think about this, would you say that uh, when we have come to the end of ourselves before God puts us into a important place of service for him, well, how many times have we come to that place where we say, you know what? You know, we're at the end of our rope. You ever been to the end of your rope? Yeah, my dad always used to say, tie a knot and end the rope and hang on. Listen, I'm telling you, there's a lot of times we get to the, you know, I've got an old sermon called At Wit's End. And the Bible talks about being at wit's end. And there's a lot of times, and, and now in the future, before the Lord comes back, we're going to get at wit's end. We're going to get to that place where we don't know what to do or how to do it. Well, listen. If you'll spend some time in God's Word and if you'll pray and, and seek God's face, God will help you to come to that place when you trust Him. You see, it's only when we see ourselves as nothing that we can be most used of God. And there's far too many people who can't be used of God because they're not quite small enough yet. They think too highly of themselves and they think, man, look at me, you know, I'm, I can handle, wait a minute. Uh, then if you think that, then God is just not, or that you're just not at a place where God can use you. Um, but the, the song says, uh, the old song, when the Savior reached down for me, and then it goes on to say, when he reached way down for me, lost and undone, without God or his son, when the Savior reached down for me. Listen, I'm thankful that, listen, it's a wonder God reached any of us. I mean, it's a wonder that God uses any of us. But listen, but he will if we'll just make ourselves available. So before God used Moses, 
Moses had to experience uh, some defeat in, in Egypt. You go through 40 years of humble living out in the Midian Desert, where, and I'm telling you, you get out there where there's nothing around, where there's nobody there, and where you just think you're uh, worthless and unused and unworthy to be used of God, you'll get to the place where you'll start looking around and say, Lord, hey, you know, I mean, here I am, and, you know, I've been out here for a long time, and if, I, if you could help me a little bit, I'd sure be appreciative. Listen, we're getting to the place at that point where God can help us. So Moses started out in his strength. God was nowhere to be found. He wasn't looking for God. He was looking to see if anybody was going to catch him when he was about to do what he was going to do in the flesh. And he did it. And so God says, You're go away. You know, he, so he ran, he ran off uh, to the Midian Desert. Look in verse 1, the place of Moses' call. Uh, when we look here, we find that Moses tells us that he came to the mountain of God. Now, it's significant here because I, there's a lot of things that took place here. Uh, even though when Moses first came, none of these events had taken place, but yet he calls it the mountain of God in his writing. Some of the events that took place here were the burning bush, for one. We'll get, we're going to get to that. Uh, the giving of the law, the details for the building of the tabernacle. Centuries later, this was where uh, a discouraged Elijah met with God. I mean, listen, it's true. Uh, prominence and importance of any place is going to be associated with spiritual events in uh, more than any other thing. And there's a lot of places around the world today that are beautiful. I mean, uh, y'all probably seen some pretty beautiful places in, in this country that God has made. They're beautiful. I mean, cities, attractions that are made famous by worldly events, but not famous by spiritual events. Listen, the reality is time is going to wipe away all this stuff. It's going to wipe away all the worldly fame. The only thing that's going to last is what we do for the Lord. We may be somebody here on this earth, but we got to be careful because when it comes time to get to heaven, we, we wind up being a nobody. I would rather be a nobody here and now and a somebody when we get to glory. Um, those things of a spiritual nature will... Uh, they're going to rise to the surface in prominence one day. Uh, and there's a lot, if not most things in this life, that don't matter. Not, they don't matter at all. It doesn't matter what kind of car you drive. doesn't matter how big your bank account is. I mean, it's okay to have it if you got it, but it don't matter. I mean, uh, when the Lord comes back, if you got a big bank account, the, this Antichrist is just going to spend it. Amen. Might as well give it to something that's going to last for eternity. Amen. Amen. I mean, it's all going to burn up anyway. And I've said this before. What you think is important, your kids or somebody, your grandkids are going to sell it in a garage sale for a quarter. And wind up out here at Mount Louisville somewhere. I mean, listen, it, it don't matter. And so when Moses comes to realize that he's nothing, then God brings him to the right place where God can talk to him. All through scriptures, you find places where God has a designated place, watch, a designated time that he speaks to his people, both on an individual basis and as a church. Amen. And God said, I, it doesn't matter. Listen, I've heard all kinds of excuses. It doesn't, really, it doesn't matter to me because I'll, I'm going to stick with the book. Amen. 
God said upon the first day of the week, and it's not Monday, it's Sunday, on the first day of the week, let him lay by in store. You can't lay by in store the way God has blessed you out, you know, on the golf course somewhere or any other place. God said, bring all the tithe into the storehouse. When? On the first day of the week. I've had people say, preacher, can you put this in the offering plate for me? And I said, I could, but I'm not. Because if I put it in, listen, then I'm putting it in. You need to put it in so that you can receive a blessing. Listen, on the first, that's why, uh, you know, we started out doing, uh, having people come uh, to give their offerings because of COVID. But through COVID, God taught me something. God said, upon the first day of the week, he said, bring. Well, he didn't tell us to send somebody out there to get it. We've got sophisticated. Well, you know, we're going to receive the first offering, and if we don't get a good one, we're going to take one. I've had, you know, I say that, well, we're going to take up an offering. No, we're not. But anymore, God said to bring it. Bring the tithe. And so I, I've just left it. I enjoy watching our folks come and bring their tithes. It's a form of worship. Yes, I, I like to, when we see our children, because they're trained up, they say the, in the way they should go. And when they go, they'll not depart. Amen. So God teaches us to bring the tithe into the store. Let him lay by in store. God has a designated place where he will meet with us. Look in verse 2 again. It says, and the angel of the Lord appeared. And there's a lot of times in Scripture uh, 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 people who experience the manifestation of God. For example, Hagar did, Gideon, Samson's parents, to name a few. But when we come here in verse 4, we know it's God because, uh, because of what we read here in verse 4 of Exodus 3. Notice what it says. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, what's it say? God called. But notice the word Lord. It's in all caps. We know this as the name Jehovah. Specifically, the name refers to the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ. For the Jehovah of the Old Testament is the Jesus or the Savior of the New Testament. You say, well, how do well, how you get that? Look in Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah chapter 43. Jesus said, if you've seen me, seen the Father. Isaiah 43, 11, it says, I, even I, am the Lord. There, it's all caps. And beside me, there is no Savior. Huh. I mean, it's fitting that when we read this, that the orders to begin leading Israel out of Egypt begin with the manifestation of the Redeemer. Delivering Israel from Egypt, watch, in a number of ways, picture of redemption of the sinner. You see, it's, it's Christ who redeems us, amen? It's, it's, it's Christ who saves, and it's Christ who delivers us from the bondage of sin. And all deliverance has to begin and has to include the Lord Jesus Christ. If he's not included, there is none, amen? amen. So we see the person. Then we notice the instrument. And this is really where I want to get to. Um, and there's, uh, we're going to get into some of this next time as well. But verse 2, it says, The angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of, or excuse me, in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. Yes, now, pay close attention. Watch. The word bush 
is the Hebrew word sanah, S-E-N-E-H. And it refers to a thorny shrub, a species of acacia common in the Sinaitic uh, district. It, to me, it reminds me of a mesquite bush. But uh, when I thought about that, I've got some bushes at my house. I mean, some, I'm telling you, those things have more thorns on them than you can shake a stick at. There's no way that you can walk by them or no place that you can grab them without getting a thorn in your hand. Well, when I think of that, I think this about this as the same thing, the bush, a thorny shrub. But notice, the, I want you to see something about the character of this bush. This thorny bush reminds us first of the curse of sin. Look in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 18. Genesis chapter 3, sin curses man. Fruitless. Fruitless in the area of good works. And look in verse 18. I'm still, I'm still turning. All right, Genesis chapter 3, verse 18. Found your place. Say amen. amen. After, after Adam and Eve sinned, notice what God said. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt, thou shalt eat the herb of the field. Listen, there were no stickers or thorns before the curse of sin came. But And this bush reminds us of the, the curse of sin, thorns and thistles. It reminds us also of, the, uh, of Israel and, and sinners in bondage. Now watch this, thorns hurt. You ever got a, uh, we used to call them grass burrs in Kermit. Them things that grow up in a long stem about this long and right at the end there's about five or six grass burrs. Man, those things hurt. I remember in high, we used to have sticker fights in high school. Oh, yeah. I was friends. I was a freshman, and I was friends with a, a, a young guy by the name of uh, David Berry. And he had, his, uh, he had a, a, a Corvair. That thing drank more oil than it did gas. We drove it out in the pasture all the time, down trails about this wide. But we were playing, uh, having a sticker fight with a couple of guys one time. And I still remember this guy's name was Danny. And man, Danny had a bouquet of stickers. Oh man, I'm telling you, they were uh, the, the the top on them were about that big around. And my friend David, he was. We were hiding around the corner, and I was back here somewhere. And David stuck his head out around the corner to look. And about that time, Danny ran by and slung that bouquet of stickers and hit him right upside the side of the face. And I'm telling you. He let out a screech that you could have heard down the block. But that didn't hurt near as much as it did trying to take them out. I mean, them things have a barb in them. And I'm telling you, they were, they were a painful experience. Well, watch. Israel also experienced the pain of these thorns and thistles, if you will, by way of bondage, by way of uh, the cruelty from the Egyptians, by the way of uh, the thorny, what I call thorny treatment of the Egyptians. Listen, and in like manner, the bondage of sin causes the sinner to cry out in pain. Listen, and Paul knew what, it, what this pain was all about when he met the Lord Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. If you look in Acts chapter 9 and verse 5, uh, the Lord looked at, at Paul and said, Paul, it's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. 
that prick was something, it was a long wooden pole that was, had a very sharp point on the end. And if those animals that were pulling had the wagon or whatever they were pulling, if they got out of step, had the person driving the wagon and reached down with that long goad or, or, or stick and he would jab it into that animal his leg telling him, hey, get in step. Do what I tell you. Do it the right way. Well, listen, it's the same way with you and I, just like it was with Paul. When we get out of step with Paul, you know what God's going to do? He's going to jab us with the prick of his judgment and say, hey, you need to get back in step so we can see that these thorns, this thorny bush, reminds us of the prick of sin. But it also reminds us that the Lord Jesus was the crown of thorns. Listen, those thorns on that crown were at least from anywhere from an inch and a half to three inches long. And when they came and they placed it on the Lord Jesus, they had a, a crown uh, just big enough to set, but they didn't just come up there and lightly put it on his head. They went up there and shoved it on his head. Listen, and all those barbs, listen, they, it just crushed upon his, uh, on his skin and embedded up in, uh, into his skull. Listen, it reminds us that this bush reminds us of the pricking of the curse of sin. Sin is a hard taskmaster. Listen, the character of the bush, the choosing of the bush. Now, God didn't choose some majestic tree where he could manifest himself to Moses. He could have. He could have chosen some trees. I mean, there's some pretty majestic trees. I've never been to the redwoods, but I've seen pictures of them and those trees are pretty majestic. But God didn't choose anything like that to manifest himself to Moses. He chose a lowly, thorned bush. I believe this can speak of the incarnation of Christ. Uh, listen, watch this. The deliverance of man's soul. Watch. If you look in Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 2, it says this of Christ, talking about what God chose to manifest himself the Lord through Christ says he hath no form nor comeliness. And when he shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Listen, God, there was nothing miraculous or, or just something that would make us and draw us to the Lord physically speaking. He was just an ordinary individual. He was not like the way they paint him nowadays on some of the pictures. I think some of the pictures they paint him as some type of feminine kind of guy. Listen, the Lord wasn't that way. He was a carpenter's son. Those guys worked for a living, amen? I mean, they went out and cut the tree down. They honed it. They worked on it. I believe the Lord was a, a, a rugged young man. Uh, but, but nothing about him would draw people to him. It was an ordinary bush. Uh, and this ordinary bush became the tabernacle of God. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And look at 27, 28. It says, But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and the things which are not to bring to naught things that are. Listen, God's not looking for Phi Beta Kappa. I mean, get it. Think about it. He's not looking for them to do his work. Neither is he looking for millionaires or famous athletes or famous entertainers or statesmen. And human thinking, watch, strength is strength. 
Weakness is weakness, and intelligence is intelligence. But in God's economy of things, listen, some of the strongest things are the weakest. Uh, listen, some of the weakest things are the strongest. And, and some of the wisest things are the most foolish. And we are sometimes tempted to think, watch this, what, and, and we, we've said this, I've said this, wouldn't it be great? If this great athlete or this great world leader or this high-profile individual would get saved, yeah, it would be a great thing. But listen, but the Lord doesn't think that way. He, he wants him to get saved. He, he wants him to serve him. But he didn't think this way when he was choosing out his disciples. Listen, he did not choose them because of their wealth or because of their influence. Look, look in verse 27 again of, of 1 Corinthians. Listen, we see who it is that God chooses. God has chosen the despised. That word despised means to be considered as nothing. It means that what that once was despised will continue to be despised. Listen, I'm thankful today that God wasn't looking for the brightest or the sharpest tool in the box. It left me out. Listen, I'm thankful, though, today that I, I just said, okay, Lord, here am I. Use me. And if we'll just make ourselves available, God will use us. God will give us the tools that we need to be used of him. Listen, that word, that phrase, the things which are not, it translates and it means the most contemptible expression in the Greek language. And it means being. Now watch. The Greeks, think about this. The Greeks, they were, I mean, everything to them, uh, it, was, it meant everything to be something. To be somebody. They wanted to be in the right place. They wanted to be the right person and be the, uh, the person of intelligence. The one that when someone was looking for someone to go to for counsel or wisdom, then man, he be the Well, listen, I want you to understand something. That's not the person God looks for. He wants them to get saved. Listen, he wants to use them. But God reveals the greatness of his power by demonstrating, listen, that it's the world's nobodies that become his somebodies if we would just be willing to be used. Look in Matthew chapter 11. About how God uh, takes those that, are, that the world thinks is a nobody... Matthew chapter 11, look in verse 11. Talking about John. God says, Verily I say unto you, Among them that are born of woman, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Listen, I want you to understand, John had no formal training. You know, some of the greatest preachers of days gone by didn't even have a high school education. But God used them in a great way. I mean, John had no formal training. I mean, he didn't go to, you know, a top trade school and learn something. Or, I mean, he didn't have some high-ranking profession or anything like that. He didn't have any money. Listen, he didn't have political position. He wasn't a great military leader and didn't have a long pedigree. Not, I mean, certainly not like Paul. But watch this. Yet Jesus said, among them born of women, there is none greater. None. All God desires is for some simple a believer 
They could be clumsy, uneducated by the world's standards. Listen, but you take that sinner who is saved by grace, listen, who realizes who they are and realizes what God has done for them and give them a desire to be used. Listen, they may just be an ordinary bush, but listen, God can speak through the ordinary bush and do something great with that individual who's willing to be used. We may think that we're nothing but a thorny and insignificant bush out in the desert. But if we'll just surrender to God, and we're going to see this through Moses, we can be used. But it's going to take some things. If you look back in Exodus chapter 3, turn back over there if you would. I want you to see this because this is where we're going. In verse 2, it says, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame, a fire out of the bush, or out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, what did he say? I will now turn aside. You know what he did? He's out there working the sheep. He's busy. But he sees something of a divine nature, and he thinks, man, you don't see that today. I mean, the bush being burned but not being consumed. Hmm. So he stopped. He could have said, man, look at that stupid sheep over there. Well, that'll probably be there in a minute. It may not. But Moses made a wise decision. And you know what he did? He said, now, right then, that moment, he said, I'll turn aside. We're going to talk about this in the next couple of weeks. Listen, he would have missed out on the blessing of God and being used of God in a great way had he not turned aside. But I wonder what happened to the Israelites. You realize how important it is when God speaks to us, how we need to listen and respond right then? You know, that's why God says now is the time of salvation. Now is the accepted time. People think, oh, I'll get saved I'll get saved tomorrow. You may not. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for you know not what a day it brings forth. Well, I'll let God use me tomorrow. You may not. Because the call of God may not. Listen, God said, my spirit shall not always strive with man. Uh, Moses said, now I will turn aside. Can I ask you something for just a second? Listen, will you stop for a minute and turn aside? If the Lord's speaking to your heart, maybe you just want to pray about something, uh, whatever it might be. Listen, now. Turn aside now. Don't wait. We're going to see that in a few weeks. But listen, can I encourage you to turn aside today? Listen, uh, it's important that we do what God calls us to do when he calls us to do it. Father, help us. I pray, God, that you'd help us to learn from Moses. God, we, Lord, we don't know everything. We don't understand everything. But, God, we can... Uh, open the word of God and and we can stop and turn aside now and, and read your word for a little while and read it until you speak to us. God, when you speak to us, it may not have anything to do with what we're reading. But God, you'll speak to us, Lord, if we'll just stop and be still and turn aside. And I pray, God, that you'll help us to do that. Help us, Lord, to uh, turn aside and uh, even during the invitation time and just spend a few minutes talking to you, Lord. Maybe we just want to love on you. Maybe we just want to say thank you for something, but God, help us to do that. Help us to turn aside just as Moses did.
And when we turn aside, just as Moses, he heard the voice of God. But he didn't hear until he turned aside. God, help us, Lord, and I'll give you praise. Give this invitation because it's in Jesus' name I pray and ask all these things. Amen. While we stand and while we sing a verse, if the Lord's speaking to your heart, you come. Come on, right?